Welcome back to I Was Hornswoggled, waking up from a narcissist-induced nightmare. This is part three. You just heard part two of the Van Diary session. I decided in my second destination that I'm going to uh, finish that uh, part three off for you on the same day. It is February 22nd and it is 2022. That fancy 20... Two twenty-two twenty-two. <laughs> so where we left off on um, what, like an hour ago, <laughs> was the spot when I started getting approached by people at church, telling me that um, you're so you're a very nice person. You're very you have a very kind heart, or your husband is very nice. Like they were re like telling me something they thought maybe I didn't know or telling me something that they felt I needed to hear because I don't know I I could only speculate but when you keep getting approached saying your son is a very nice little boy and I was like yeah I know you know I spend every day of my life with my kids and and I try my best to put as much good ingredients into them as possible and also give them room to grow and form their own identities. So I would always say, thank you. You know, thank you. But in the back of my head, I'm like, this has never happened before. Like I've never, you know, at jobs, other places in my life. Like I never, people never felt like they had to come up and reaffirm things to me. So this was something I had never experienced before. And the only common denominator would be that I've never shared an environment with my mom in my adult life. So I made the correlation that, huh, this is starting to be fishy. And my husband started to notice it too, because then we started to compare notes. And as time went on, um, my, I noticed my mom was, now I know the term is triangulation, but before I just kind of felt like she was selling her statements to me, like she was looking out for me, but she would say stuff like once we went to a funeral of one of the gentlemen that passed away in our church and he was a gruff man, but I've come to learn that the people with like the hard candy shells tend to be like soft and ooey gooey on the inside and they like just come across that like gruff way. So this gentleman had a, a gruffness to him and if you didn't take the time to kind of like look past that, you would never know that he was actually a pretty cool person. So when he passed away, you know, at first it was like a lot of people were like, oh, big whoop-de-doo because this guy was just a grouch. But when you took the time to look past the grouch and you got to see like the good in the person, it was really, it was really sad to me that he passed away, obviously, because I had come to know him. And me, even me being a new person to the church and my few interactions with him was gruff. I had had managers in my past that were really gruff. And I think that's how I learned that the biggest a-holes in life needed more love. And not necessarily, now that I know what I know about psychopaths and sociopaths and narcissists, that's not always the case. But this gentleman, literally, he was a nice person. Because I could see the twinkle in his eye. Once you 
would get past the his gruff, you know, nature. He was just a little, he was a character. That's what he was. And I think I, my, growing up with my dad being that way, it really um, showed me that, yeah, my dad could be a jack wagon sometimes, but at the core of it, he was never mean to us and he was never belittling to us. Um, I think whatever um, residual jack wagonry that we got from my dad was pretty much put there by my mom because now I know how she built each one of us in her life to fulfill some sort of a, a supply role. It makes a lot of sense to me now. So now at the church, I'm at this funeral and they asked if anybody wanted to say something and people in the church were taking time to say stuff. And I uh, raised my hand because his family was there. They invited their family there for like a memorial type of a thing. And we were hosting it for them. And his family was there. Not all of them, have, you know, go to church or even attend that church or whatever. And I just know that when you're in a new place and, and you just lost a loved one, it is nice to hear about their impact outside of like what you know of them, you know? So I just had stood up to say a couple words about him with everyone else. And I had known him for two years, so it's not like I had not known him. And I stood up and so when I came back, just from saying briefly my my um, interactions with him and, and something that I took away from his presence, you know, I came back and sat down. My mom could not waste, she didn't waste any time to reach over and whisper in my ear. The, there's a couple that was sitting behind us and they're kind of known to be the snooties or whatever, but they were never mean to me, like openly mean, like they, they did a fair amount of hazing, which I didn't find that really fits in a church atmosphere. I don't think you should haze new members of a church. So that's another story. I'm telling you, there's so many weird, bizarre things that happened at this place. But now knowing what I know, it's all making a lot of sense. <laughs> so, so she reaches or over, leans over to me and says, you know, when you got up to speak, so-and-so behind you said, oh, of course she has something to say, which thought was really strange because I never, I never went out of my way to say anything at the church. Like if they asked me to do children hour, I would do it. I wasn't like clamoring and begging them to be part of anything. I didn't, I wasn't part of anything like that. So I thought that was kind of strange. I'm like, well, that's weird because I never spoke in front of the church before and they asked for everybody to come up. So it's not like it was a me thing. And I did not even know. Now I know what I know. She's clearly triangulating because this wasn't the first time. She did not like that wife, the wife of the group behind us. And she would constantly tell me, you know, that lady doesn't like you. She sees you as competition. And I'm like, in my head, I was thinking competing to what? Like, what am I, what are we competing against? I literally have nothing in common with this woman. This woman talks to me very kindly. I talk to her fine. We get along. We're in the same women's studies class. I have no idea where this vitriol my mom is saying, where it's, where her words and my reality were not lining up. So now I know she was trying to triangulate me constantly with this group of people, with this lady. So this lady never had, was mean to me. If anything, she was really nice to me and not so nice to my mom. And I think 
that they had some sort of a something going on or my mom was triangulating and maybe she could see it. I don't know. Because that's another thing that I've learned is that when we're in the web of deceit from our narcissists, we literally have like no rec no knowledge that it's going on when it's happening. But people on the outside can see that something is not right. And even when I first started dating my husband, he now in hindsight said, you know what? I always knew that your family was weird. <laughs> and he was like, and I just kind of went along with it because you guys all were going along with it. So I thought, okay, then maybe it's not weird for them. And then as time went on, he's like, you know, I always thought your mom was weird. But then, you know what? He started getting sucked in because it became his normal. Our weird became his normal. And then he would have a buddy or two that he had from high school approach him and go, I don't know how you put up with your mother-in-law. She is really bizarre. And my husband was just like, really? You know, like it just, once you get in and start getting brainwashed, it is hard for you to look outside of the bubble that you're living in. But once that bubble pops and that house of cards come crumbling down and you find yourself picking up the pieces and puzzling, you know, picking them up and like a big puzzle and piecing them together, a lot of things start to make sense. So when I look back at this time at my church and how many times I was approached by someone that said something like, Oh, you're a really nice person. Oh, I really, um, your family is so nice. Oh, you're so lucky. You have such a great husband, all this stuff. And then coming up to my mom, coming up to me and being like, this person is competing with you. This person is da da da. She would even say really kind of gross things. Like, like she would assume like there was this little boy who was always trying to, get my little boy to go, you know, in the woods or to go play away from the group. I was constantly trying. And I think it was because he was the only boy in his family of like eight kids and all, he was like seven sisters and one boy. And I think that it was because he was always surrounded by girls. And when he had another boy that was around his age and his energy level and his interest level, he was like, Oh yeah, this is it. I want to play with this boy and he's cool. No, my mom had to turn it into something gross and say that the little boy was probably molested and that he was going to try to molest my son. Like she would say these type of things. She would have zero facts. There'd be zero feelings that this was a thing, but she would start to say these things. And, you know, we were just, so then we would go, oh, well, that's weird. We would never, and I'm really good at find vibes, like picking up on vibes on stuff. And I honestly think that this little boy was just happy to have an older boy to hang out with because he doesn't have that in his life. So, and my son was all like into it, like, yeah, let's go run, let's play. And I never let my kids out of my sight for reasons, you know, because I don't trust strangers or even, I just don't trust people. So, and I think that's something we've learned now, not to trust people, to give everybody uh, like five time look over, you know, just to double check that they're not going to, they don't got a little knife in their hand ready to get us like the people we've trusted in the past did. 
So at this church, I started the triangulation, now knowing what I know, was actually over the period of a year or two was getting worse and worse and worse to the point where our pastor, who used to be very down to earth and very kind and wanting to come over and sit down, and he was like our age too, my husband is my age, all of a sudden I thought it was kind of strange that he started asking my mom He started leaning on my mom as if my mom was like a mother figure to them. And it was really weird because on the outside, we never saw them talk. But he would say stuff like when I found my dog abandoned on the side of the road and we already had three inside dog or two inside dogs and one outside dog. um, We didn't really think about having a third inside dog. And... We so I and my mom was saying how she wanted a bigger dog, and I thought it was strange that the pastor said, "Oh, out of the blue, oh, is that that dog that they wanted to you to?" Because we had said we got a new dog because we ended up keeping the dog. My mom was telling us the whole time that she was wanting another dog. She wanted a bigger dog. She missed the dog that they had that died shortly after my dad died, and she just wanted a big dog. So then when I found this big, beautiful chocolate lab on the side of the road abandoned on my way home from getting groceries with the kids, I thought, oh, well, my mom has been wanting a big dog. Well, then the minute it came down to my mom wanting this dog, then she's like, I don't want a big dog. I don't know what you're talking about. Da, 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 da. My husband are like, what? That's all we've heard about now for like two months was how you wanted this. So we just decided, you know what? We're going to keep this dog. And it has been the best decision in my life because that, that puppy dog was heaven sent. I didn't know that I needed her in my life, but I'm so blessed. It was like God knew what I needed to help me because he knew it was what was coming up ahead. So it's so nice to have a companion in your world, even though you have your family, but to have that little fur love, that little fur baby, your little sidekick, you know, to to pet and stuff. It is, it is a very healing thing. That's why they have like service animals because it is known that animal companionship is very important to us humans or at least some of us humans I can't speak for everybody but I've always been an animal person so it never daunted me to have my own dog everybody else had a dog but I never had one that like really connected with me and I feel so blessed that um my precious doggy and I are a team so I digress. But so we kept a dog, but it was so strange because then we never mentioned this to our pastor. And he goes, we, and then the kids said, we got a dog. And they were so happy. And he's like, oh, he looks right at my mom as if it was common for them to just chat and says, oh, is that the dog that they tried to um, make you take home? And I thought, well, this is strange. We didn't try to make her take this dog home. She told us for like two months that she wanted a big dog. And then I found this great, beautiful, young dog that was abandoned. They abandoned her on the side of the road with a bed and a bowl of food and drove off and left her. And I just happened to be at the same place at the same time. And she was standing right in the middle of the lane. And I had to go and pick her up. And I put her in the back of the, in with my truck. And she sat and got along with, with our family like right away. So I thought, well, this is such a strange thing because that literally is not what happened. But that started to give me another red flag. Is she having side conversations with the pastor and painting reality in a grim view? Like she's the victim of her evil 
daughter and son-in-law who try to force dogs on her. And like, I thought, what else has she been saying? And I thought it was really strange following like another month had went by and we had asked, invited the pastor because he would invite us over to visit and my mom would naturally come with us. It was like this, she stuck with us. Every time we were going someplace, she would invite herself to come along with us. So we didn't think anything of it because she was a widow now and she didn't have my dad and blah, blah, blah. And she was lonely and she would give us all these guilt trips. So what ended up happening was um, we would go over to their house and my mom just started using this as like a um, like a gossip session. She, I would sit on the couch and the, my husband and the pastor would go for like a walk with the kids. And when we're just sitting in this house with this young girl, she I call her young because she was younger than me by like four years. And she just had this naivete about her. And um, she, my mom would just latch onto her and just start to try to get information out of her. So what about this person? How do people treat you at church? Oh, and then the young girl would go, oh, well, it's been kind of hard because I'm pregnant. And a lot of the elderly ladies, because I'm the pastor's wife, like I feel like I get a lot of pressure and they always are commenting on my weight gain, but I'm pregnant and I have a baby and I'm going to gain weight. And that really hurts my feelings. And I was like, yeah, that's not nice of them to do that to you. And, you know, it was just like dragging information out of her. And at that time, I wasn't wise. I'm like, I knew I didn't like it. And I knew that that's something my mom always did, but I still didn't know the, the origin of like why she was doing what she was doing. So then I thought it was strange that if they went out of town, they would call, they would say, okay, we're going to call you if we need someone to come and stay with the kids when I go pick my wife up from the airport and stuff. And, and my husband and I were kind of like, well, this is strange. When do they get so close? How are you just going to ask some random person from your church to come over at night and watch your kids? Like, that seems a little sketchy. It never dawned on us that she was building these relationships behind the scenes. And then that the more these, like the gentleman we did Bible studies with, that she all of a sudden start, signed up and started doing Bible studies with. And then the longer that went on, once we found out, the damage was already done. The gentleman just distanced himself from us. He wouldn't talk to us very much. And it was really sad and it hurt my feelings. And that's what she wanted. So... Then she would see how close my husband and the pastor had been, had been. They would talk about cars. They would talk about God. They, you know, they were connected on this guy level. And then all of a sudden, he, they didn't stop talking to him and they wouldn't talk to us. And we invited him over for dinner to kind of be reciprocal because they had invited us over. And I thought it was strange that I invited my mom too, because it was just natural. She would just come anyways, whenever she knew that they were around, like it was a thing. But I thought now I know what I know, but back then I did not. She would go, I don't know if I can make it. And I was like, well, what are you doing? Like, literally, you always want to come over for dinner, no matter what. And I found it very strange that all of a sudden she did not want to come over for dinner. And now I know it's because narcissists have to keep up their facade. They have to keep up the stories that they're telling people. So she... I can only speculate, but you know, the pattern of behavior and what I know about narcissists, this is what I think was going down. I think she was telling him certain things about us so that it would look weird if she came over and had dinner because in there, in her story, we probably must've been at odds or something. 
because it was very strange that she was so, no, no, I think I'll just stay home. I think I'll just stay home. You guys just go ahead. Are you sure you want to have them over? Da, da, da. Like, like low key trying to talk us out of having them over, but then also saying she didn't want to come over. You know what she ended up doing? She ended up coming over anyways, because I think the, the gravity of the two targets coming together and having dinner without because she would talk smack about the pastor and the pastor's wife. That was the other point. Uh, that's when I start. Now I know she was triangulating us against each other. Because then she would downgrade them. Yeah, they're just really young. He doesn't really preach the way I think he should preach. He's too young to really know anything. You know, like say stuff like that. But to his face, I don't know what she was saying behind her back about us. So clearly if she was talking bad about them to us, she was talking bad about us to them. Now you know what you know about triangulation. So the idea of her two targets sitting down and having dinner and neither one of them knowing that she has been dishing on each other and making scenarios up, lying behind our backs, we had no idea. So here we are inviting these people over. We had no idea that she'd been filling their head with nonsense, but it explains a lot of why they acted the way they did. Because we had made a kid table where they had like Play-Doh for the little kids to play with. And then I had made chili for us. And we thought it was strange that the husband would came around was like, he'd been to our house before. We had done Bible studies at our house before. And he would like come around and like look around. And then he said one time, he goes, oh, your fish tank is really clean. Did you clean it before I came? And we thought, well, that's such a strange thing to say. That's a strange thing to say that you would assume that somebody normally has a dirty fish tank and that you are so amazing that they had to clean it right before you came to make it look good. And my husband's like, no, we just have a good filter. <laughs> like, I don't, It's so strange. So saying little things like that and then sitting down at the table and going, oh, okay. So, so, um, was there a reason why you wanted to have us over for dinner? So it's almost like he, he came, God only knows what my mom, literally God only knows what my mom told him was the reason why we were having him over. Cause he almost acted like we had a, a motive and my husband goes, Oh, well we were just inviting you over dinner to pay you back. Cause you invited us for dinner. So here we are just blind to what has been going on. We had no idea why we were almost like being like he was walking on eggshells thinking like we were going to just drop some sort of conversation bomb on him or something. And now it all makes sense. But at the time it was very awkward. It was very strange. So fast forward to that baby shower I talked about in the past episodes where it was really weird that they asked us to do my mom and I to help and my friend at the time in the church help host this baby shower. And then this was the same lady my mom competed against. So it was hilarious that the same lady that sat behind me in that funeral was also the same lady that wanted us to help her throw this baby shower for the pastor and his wife. So it was very interesting when the time came and they just were butting heads. But she would tell my friend and I, oh, she's just jealous of you too. She's afraid you're going to come in and take over the place. She's afraid that you're going to come in and take her specialness away because she thinks she is something. She thinks she's running everything in the, in the church. So it was hilarious that she thought that she was planting this. But now we know about projection. 
my mom was projecting her competitive jealousness out on this woman and telling us that that's who she was. But in real reality, my mom was that jealous competitive person who was afraid of the younger women and their talents. Because... As that baby shower situation went down, I don't know what my mom was doing behind the scenes. I really have no idea. Because my mom was almost trying to egg us on to fight with her. And it came to a head where my mom was like, I can't believe she's talking to us this way. We have got to put her in her place. And then the my my friend who was so like naive almost, like she was like, Oh, okay. Don't we just, aren't we supposed to just go and tell her like what we have a problem with and what we're upset about? And she's like, yes, that's what you need to do. That's what we need to do. So there was a prayer meeting and apparently my mom thought that was the best time to have this come to Jesus moment. What was, (laughs) she goes up to this woman and starts a fight with this woman at the prayer meeting and then puts my friend and I didn't go. Because I was like, you know what? I'm not part of this drama. Even at that point, it didn't sit right with me. And I did not go to that prayer meeting. And I did not pick a fight with that woman. And I wanted nothing to be done with any of it. I wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, this is so... How can something so innocent and and simple be turned into such a hot mess? And now I know. It's because my mom was stirring the pot. Narcissist, if you are in a world right now... In your world, things just don't make sense. People are just coming up and saying stuff to you that doesn't make sense. People are that used to smile at you and talk to you and get along with you are just now starting to give you the stink eye. These are all warning signs, okay? I'm going to tell you that <laughs> because as the time went on, so my mom got into this like heated back and forth. God only knows what she said. Thankfully, my friend was there and she's, she says, oh yeah, your mom really, you know, held her ground against her and she, they try and she, you know, they, they bickered and she said, I just kind of watched because I didn't know really what was going on. (laughs) So then once my mom did that, she all of a sudden had to save face because I think she realized her mask was slipping and people were starting to catch on that she wasn't as nice as she thought she was portraying. So then she started hosting Bible studies at her house. And this is when the other foot dropped. This is when I started to catch on. Something's a little weird here. So my mom would hold these Bible studies at her house once a week, and then she would invite my sister over. And my sister and I were still estranged at this time. At this time, my sister in my head was still the girl that kicked me out on the street when she invited me to come and stay with her and my husband while we were moving back to Michigan. And then she immediately, they kicked us out some random weekend after we had been there for two months. When the same sister who kicked me out of her wedding randomly, the same sister who I tried to give a hug to, she tried to stab me with a fork, you know, a lot of weird stuff coming from the sister, a lot of hate, a lot of anger, a lot of aggression. And I never understood why it was there and why we were having it and where it came from. So the, the part that really caught on was when she started having these Bible studies and she would invite her BFF, her friend from kindergarten, who was the one who arranged that big production when I started going to the church. She had her there. She had my sister there. 
Then she had like two or three of her neighbors from the park she lives in. She didn't invite me. She would invite my husband over. And then what she would do is we would try to do the Bible study, but my mom didn't know enough about the Bible. She was a big pretender. You know, she would pretend that she was a Christian, but she really knew nothing. And she was trying to lead this Bible study, but you can start to see that people are like, oh, this seems very... Like, you can tell when somebody's just saying buzzwords, when when the words that people are saying to you are just kind of empty. Like, they're just saying words to say words, like word salad, you know what I mean? Like, they don't make sense. It's just a big jumble. And then I think her friend started to see, like, oh, well, my friend wanted to have these Bible studies here, but she literally is a hot mess and can't direct this Bible study. So her friend would take over. Well, then my mom, I think, started to get upset that her friend was taking over her Bible study and showing her up. And it's not hard to show up someone when they're a fake, when they're a poser. It's not hard. It's not hard for people uh, after a certain amount of time for the paint to start chipping off and for you to be like, okay, no. And that reminds me of that show. What was it? It was like in the 90s. It had like Goldie Hawn in it. It was like dead something and these ladies died and they kept applying makeup to themselves and it kept flaking off. Oh, Death Becomes Her. If you have, if you know that movie, I remember it back in the day. And that's kind of how narcissists are to me is they, they're really dead on the inside and they keep applying foundation and powder and makeup and keep trying to, you know, air, air paint this this makeup on them and the longer you're around them you start to see that it's just like chipping off and flaking off and the powder's coming off and and their false eyelashes are falling off and you're just like whoa okay this is this is uh this makes a lot of sense now so that's kind of what was happening so being that my sister and I didn't know that we were being triangulated against my mom would start my mom would immediately pick a fight with my sister before everybody came over and then, so my sister was kind of act like a jerk during the whole Bible study. And then I, it would make me feel bad. I was like, I'm here to have some kumbaya session and talk about God. But now all I do is watch this ping contest between my mom and her friend. And then my sister giving me the death glare from across the table. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't fun. I ain't coming to these anymore. This is weird. So I stopped coming. Well, I found out from my sister and my friend um, when my sister and I connected and my friend and I had sat down and I started to put all these pieces together and she confirmed that this is indeed what was going on. Um, when I stopped going to the Bible study, it turned in, <laughs> it turned into a fiasco. It, it turned into a bash me session. And I will tell you more about that in part four, because I have already talked now for a half an hour in part three. So part four will be that part. And I think I have enough time to actually do it before my kids' class ends. So I might just carry on with part four while it's fresh in my mind. I will see you guys on the flip side. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pod. Yeah, I think that's what it is. My I don't have my show notes in front of me. And it's hornswogglepodcast.com. And yeah, I think that's what it was. Hornswogglepod on Twitter. And hornswogglepodcast.com. That actually has all the places you can contact the show. All right, I hope this makes sense to you guys. 
and I hope um, this telling me telling this story helps. And if this triggers any memory or lesson or thought that you have, feel free to, to let me know. If uh, you are in a similar situation, have been in a similar situation, or know exactly what I'm talking about, I would really appreciate it. So this has been another Van Diary entry, story time part three, and we're going to pick up the pieces in part four. Have a great day. See you on the flip side.